Oh, come on. How are we doing, church? You guys good? You look good. Anybody excited to be alive? Excited to be in church? All right. God is good. Amen. Amen. All the time. And all the time. God is good. He is good. He loves you. He is for you. And I don't know who this is for. It's for somebody. But regardless of what you may have heard, God is not mad at you. That's for somebody in this room. And so uh, Jesus is back from the dead, and that means there's no such thing as a normal Sunday, all right? No normal Sundays. No such thing as going through the motion, all right? Um, you're going to hear us saying that kind of language a lot around here. No such thing as normal Sundays. And in honor of that, what I want to do today is read our most famous Bible verse. Any guesses? Anybody? It's not a trick question. Yeah, John 3.16, the scripture Tim Tebow wrote, and uh, 3.17 as well. And I want to read it out of the Passion Translation just to mix things up because a lot of you probably have this memorized. I do too, and that's good. Um, but sometimes knowledge can also be a curse because we think that we know it, and we do on the surface. But how many know there's a difference between, like, knowing something here and knowing something here, right? There's a difference between knowing things about God and knowing God, right? One of those things makes you smarter. One of those things makes you free, right? And so here we go. Out of the Passion Translation, John 16, 3, 16 and 17. For this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So now everyone, how inclusive is that word, right? Everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. Some translations say eternal life. And I think subconsciously we hear that or read that and we think eternal life, man. Yeah, that starts then and there. The moment I uh, pass from this world into heaven forever with Jesus, that's then. And yeah, that's true. We're going to heaven forever. But eternal life with God does not begin the moment you take your final breath on this planet. It begins the moment you receive Jesus into your heart for the very first time, abundant life, Zoe life, life to the full that we read about in John 10, 10 starts in that moment like something shifts, something happens inside of us. And we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Don't worry. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world. And thank God he did not because all of us would be in trouble, especially this guy right here, Ethan, not to judge don't feel sorry for him, I promise. Not to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. And so in case you've ever wondered what God thinks about you, I don't know if you've ever, like you, you have what you think about God, but in case you've ever wondered, what does God think about me? Here it is right here. For God so loved the world. I heard a pastor named Judah Smith joke about the fact that God had a bad case of the so loves. You ever had a bad case of like the so loves where you, you so love something, not just love, but so love that you would go to any length and pay the ultimate price. And he, he gave his one and only son. And we can all be in danger of, of um, subconsciously getting to a place where we live as if John 3.16 reads something like, for the world so loved God that he gave. And he looked down and he said, I see you guys. I see how much you love me and how much you're imploring me and beckoning me. Here I come, right? But that's, that's not the, the point of the gospel is not our love for him. 
but God's love for us. God is motivated by God. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. That's what God thinks of you. He loves you so much right now. I don't know, like, like how to get that in my heart, you know? God loves you exactly the way you are right now, the same way he'll love you one day, like five years, 10 years, 20 years from now, like when you have like an image of yourself as like, like you're no longer struggling with all the stuff that you struggle with right now and you finally have it all together, right? And you've got like six pack abs and $50 bills falling out of your All Saints jeans, right? Like that day when I'm crushing Christianity, God will love me and yeah, he will, but he loves you the same amount right now, like right now, the same amount he loved you back in the day when you could care less that he did. That is what God thinks about you. And I was, I was thinking back, I was like, when was it? It was in college, and I was trying to think of like the exact moment that it all like clicked in my heart that like this God thing is real. And I want to follow Jesus. Like, what was it that finally did it for me? Because it wasn't like somebody just convinced me intellectually that I should do this. And I, I started thinking about it. Like, think about, like, what we actually believe, guys. Like, if you say it out loud to, like, yourself in the mirror or to, like, a friend, to somebody, like, Ethan, let me tell you what I believe. Like, a long time ago... In a galaxy far, far away, like, there was this God, and he was all by himself, but he wasn't really because he's, like, three and one all at the same time, like, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Never mind, not important. Anyways, this God, like, all of a sudden started talking, and when he started talking, like, light exploded out of his mouth in every single direction, and that's the universe still expanding to this day, and he made galaxies in the universe, and he made planet Earth complete with, like, an ocean full of whales and dolphins and sea turtles and mountains with lions and tigers and bears, and he made people, and he was really pumped about the people part, but the people, like, ate an apple, at least I think it was an apple, and that's why like Apple's logo is like an apple with a bite taken out of it, at least I think so, I'm not sure, but because they ate the apple, that's why a 16-year-old virgin named Mary had to give birth to the son of God who was Jesus, and he was awesome, man, he like, he lived a perfect life, and he was so good, did so many good things, started so many non-profits, and healed people, but that's why they, that's why they killed him, but no, don't worry, because he rose from the grave three days later, and he floated up into heaven, and he's kind of left all of us in charge for the time being. But one day he's coming back on a white horse to get all of us And the end, right? Like, if you, you say that out loud And you know something supernatural has happened in my heart, right? Like the Holy Spirit has done something in my heart Where I can hear that said out loud And I go, yep with every fiber in my being, every cell in my body, like, I don't just know. I know that I know that I know that that's real and that that's true. So much so, I'll bet my entire life on it, right? Like, I'll stake my entire eternity on it, right? Like, there's a reason that, that you know in your knower that God is real. And it's not because it makes sense intellectually. It's not because somebody convinced you. It's because God divinely persuaded you from heaven or is in the process right now of divinely persuading you. And maybe that's why you're here. And I just want to give you a fair warning. He might do that before he answers all of your questions. That's typically what he seems 
to do, right? Like the Holy Spirit has, has, has done something in my life. There is nobody that he can't save, nothing he can't do. And because of that, there is no such thing as a normal Sunday. Because God is clearly up to something. And in cities like Austin, I see it all over the place. From visiting churches, from seeing what's happening here, God is up to something. Partnering, partnering with us to say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in Austin as it is in heaven, right? If you're taking notes, let's just call this message that. In Austin, as it is in heaven. Does that sound good? Sound good? All right. Note takers, where are my note takers? Look at you guys. God doesn't have favorites, but I do, and it's you. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. Thank you for a church to call home. Thank you for this space to come together. I pray, God, today during this service that your kingdom would come just a little bit more in this place and in, 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 inside of all of us in this room listening to this right now, God. We love you so much. We're listening, God, so speak to us. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. All right, who remembers uh, Space Jam? Space Jam, the movie. I knew I liked you guys. Space Jam, starring Michael Jordan, Bugs Bunny, and Daffy Duck, right? There's a new Space Jam coming out June 21st of 2021. So if you're taking notes, I also recommend writing that down. That'll be our Friday night hangout that week. It, it, it's Bugs is back, Daffy Duck is back, and LeBron James this time. But uh, let me take you back really quick. I think I was like seven. My brother was five. We lived in Indiana, and we had a house where the basement was finished, complete with a, uh, a, a TV, a VCR, and a Fisher-Price basketball hoop that was like six feet tall. And uh, if, you, if you've seen Space Jam, you already know. You already know. But if you haven't, it starts with this montage of all of Michael Jordan's best dunks and plays from UNC in college and then with, with, with the Chicago Bulls and the pros. And uh, nothing, and I mean nothing, gets you fired up quite like this montage, okay? Like, I'm 30 years old. I'll be on the way to the gym sometimes and pull out my phone, the YouTube app, and I'll watch this montage to get, like, fired up for lifting weights at the gym because I'm... I'm that awesome. But um, anyway, so we were, okay, okay, my cousins were over. It was Joey, Jaina, our cousins, and me and Ryan in the basement. We just watched Space Jam, and we were hopped up on Mountain Dew and EL Fudge cookies, and we had a Fisher-Price basketball hoop. Like, what are we supposed to do in that moment, right? Like, dunk contest. That's what's about to happen. And uh, it started friendly, and then it got competitive, and I'm not sure who pushed her, but Jaina, my kid, is probably Ryan. He's not here right now. I, I like seriously, I would tell you, I tell you stuff from up here. I'm pretty honest. I would tell you if it was me. I think it was Ryan. Jaina is like, she's pretty athletic and she's going up for like a dunk. And this, this is happening like below this line because that's how tall the rim is. But she's going up for a dunk and Ryan shoves her and she hits the drywall and goes through the drywall into the wall. Not just like I'll crack the wall a little bit, but like there is a Jaina-sized hole in the wall in that moment. And so we're like, okay, it's kind of funny, but it's also bad because now we have to tell mom and dad upstairs, right? Like we have to tell dad this is not going to be good. Like there's no hiding a person-sized hole in the wall in the basement. And so uh, they were here the last service, and, and I had everybody cheer for them because we told them, like, what happened. 
And maybe it was because we had company over and like we knew like they're not going to yell at us while there's company over. So this is the perfect time. But everybody just like cracked up and laughed. And it's now like one of our funniest stories as a family. And my dad fixed it. And here is what like my dad never quoted this to me. But here is what I experienced from my dad that night. Here it is. Um, I'll say it like this. Two sentences. I love you and I can fix anything. I love you, and I can fix anything. Like, hey, son, it's Mountain Dew, Space Jam. I get it. Things happen. Like, I love you, and I can fix anything. Because I, what, what I haven't told you yet is my dad built that entire basement. All the studs and the drywall and the outlets and the carpet. Like, he's the one who built it, and if he can build it, then he can fix it, right? Like, that's my dad. Like, oh, you're like, if it's broke around here, we fix it. Thank you, Jason Aldean. That's so Texas. And it's so my dad. Like, oh, your car's broken? Yeah, I'll fix it, right? Like, um, oh, literal lightning strikes, strikes the house and blows a hole in our roof? Yeah, I'll fix it. Like, that actually happened. That's what my dad does. And he, if he built it in the first place, he can fix it. I love you. And I can fix anything. Corey uh, shared with me a meme earlier this week, and they're usually funny. Um, but this one was, like, serious, and it said this. It said, religion says, um, I messed up really bad. Dad's going to kill me. I better not. I hope he doesn't find out. Christianity says, I messed up really bad. I need to call Dad. It's the difference between those two things. Christianity, I messed up. I need to call dad, okay? This brings me to our bigger dad, all right? And what you think about him and what you think he thinks about you. A.W. Tozer has a, a very famous quote. This is amazing. I love this quote. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I would phrase it this way, like what comes to your mind when you think about what God thinks about you will transform and change everything about your life. You will live based on what you think this God thinks about you, right? Like, God, why did you send Jesus? Because I love the world, right? I love the world. In scripture, like that word world literally means like bad system with bad people. So God had a bad case of the soul loves for bad people, some of which will never care that he did, so much so that he would pay the ultimate price and send his one and only son here to get us, right? Like that's what God thinks about you. And we live in a city in Austin full of people who have tried religion but have never tried Jesus. Why? I, like, I think, yeah, we have a lot of people who would say they don't believe in God, but I think deep down, man, all of us kind of know, we know. I, I think a lot of people would just say, I just don't like him. Why? Because I don't think that he likes me. He can't like me. Like, God, this creator of the universe can't be very pumped about me in my life right now, right? And so, I'll stay as far, like, of course you're going to run from him if that's what you think he thinks about you, right? Like, even Christians will get saved and still kind of walk on eggshells around their heavenly father, right? Because they know, like, yeah, you love me because you are love and you're required to love me, but you can't like me, right? Like, it changes everything about your life. Like, what you think about God 
and what you think he thinks about you is the most important thing about you. As a church, we exist to make heaven more crowded, and part of that is helping people to experience, experience what God really thinks about them. And as we do that, we are participating in God's plan, your kingdom come, your will be done in Austin as it is in heaven, bringing heaven to Austin. And I think, I think subconsciously with our theology, we can get tempted to think like this whole thing, this whole city, this whole world going to hell in a handbasket. And so we're all doomed, so we might as well, well, we'll try as Christians to grab as many people as we possibly can out of this whole thing before the Titanic goes down, right? Like we subconsciously think that sometimes like heaven is only the place that we go then and there. But what do you do with the fact that Jesus came here to bring the, he the kingdom of heaven into the here and now? He says this all throughout the Gospels. The kingdom of heaven is right here and right now. Can you put up, uh, Katie, can you put up that slide? Here we go. We're going to kind of hang out here for the remainder of this message. Heaven, Austin, heaven and earth, on earth as it is in heaven. So Bible sa the Bible says in the beginning. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. God created heaven and earth not as two, and, and Katie, you can leave that up, not as two um, different places, but as, as kind of like two dimensions occupying the same space. That was the Garden of Eden. It was awesome. Human beings, so, so those, those rings were kind of overlapped once upon a time. Human beings, because of sin, drove them apart. Because, by definition, a holy God cannot occupy the same space as sin. A holy God cannot occupy the same space as sin, but the entire story of the Bible is a God who is bringing them back together. There's a fancy theology phrase. You guys are going to think I'm smarter than I am. Please do not be fooled. Here it is. Inaugurated eschatology. I didn't even have to read it. Inaugurated eschatology. You guys know about it? Let me, let me simplify it just for you guys, just for you guys, because I, I Googled it like yesterday. Um... We'll simplify it like this, already but not yet, already but not yet. And so um, June 6, 1944, who knows what happened? It was D-Day, D-Day. And historians would say it was the day that World War II was won. It was won, like from that point on, it was a no-brainer. From that point on, World War II was won. But it wasn't until almost a year later, May 8th, 1945, that World War II officially ended. Okay, so for that 11-month 11, 11 gap, what do you have there? You have an already but not yet. Does that make sense? Already but not yet. So 2,000 years ago, when Jesus hung on the cross and took his final breath and said three simple words, it is finished, that was the moment, the moment that the ultimate war between good and evil was officially won. There was officially victory in that moment, Jesus truly conquered sin and truly conquered death and all that goes with it, right? And everything that goes with it. Um, and so now there's an overlap. There's an overlap, what you see here. But, but 
everything, like there won't be a, com- that, that won't come to fruition and completion like it, like it started back in the Garden of Eden until Jesus splits the sky open and comes back, except this time uh, not as a baby in a manger, but as a king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, right? And he'll come back and he will renew everything once and for all, and truly the old will be refined and washed away, and the new will be here to stay, heaven and earth, in union, in the same space, once again, how it was supposed to be, right? Like the Bible started in a garden and it ends in a city at the very end of it, right? Which means that the Garden of Eden was not a finished product, but rather a a project that God wanted to partner with human beings, with us, to bring it from a garden into a city. And one day he will bring, he will come back to finish it completely. But but right now we, we live in a space in 2019 of already but not yet. Does that make sense? Already but not yet. So how does that play out? I'll give you an example. I have had chronic pain in my head for since 2009. And I, uh, I'll keep this short because I'm so sick of talking about it, but I have a, a messed up bone in my neck that causes chronic headaches and migraines. And I was thinking about it. I have been prayed for by probably a thousand plus people on four different continents for healing. So far, I haven't been healed. Haven't been healed. I was reading John chapter 9 yesterday, and there's a story of a blind man who comes to Jesus, and he can't see, and Jesus takes some dirt from the ground and spits on it to make mud and smears it in the guy's eyes and heals him from that, and he can see. So that guy got healed, but so far I haven't been. I can tell you so many amazing stories that don't make any sense if God's not real, of people who have been healed from stuff like miracle stuff, miracle stuff where there's no other explanation other than God doing a miracle, right? Like I've been in a room with Ethan in Fiji where a lady walked in with no sight And by the time she walked out, after we said amen, about 15 minutes later, she could see. I saw that happen. I could tell you stories of people who got healed. And at the same time, I can tell you so many stories, so many stories of people who haven't been. When I've prayed for it, when so many people have prayed for it, and something didn't work, I don't know what the right way to say it is. Healing and no healing. So how do you explain that? Already, but not yet. The kingdom of heaven is already, but not in its entirety. So these two spheres, Katie, do you have the one with the building? They used to overlap, like in the Old Testament, we don't have, we don't have time, but animal sacrifice and, and basically the, like the tabernacle, the temple, God would dwell on earth, his presence in a, in a space called the Holy of Holies, a room in the back of the temple where God's presence would be. And it's not like anybody could just go back there and experience God's presence, like only one person, the, the high priest, and only one day out of the entire year, okay? And that was the only connection, the only tiny bridge between heaven and earth until roughly 2,000 years ago when Jesus showed up, okay? So do we have that one? Here's, we now live in a new era. This is why my favorite thing to say is we now live in a day and age where dead messiahs stand up and walk out of their tombs. The world is now different. Jesus 
Jesus split history in half with what he did on the cross. Because before this, the union of heaven and earth was just some kind of temporary thing that happened in certain places. But it, it, it didn't really do the trick until Jesus established a bridge and a connection point between two dimensions permanently that now heaven is invading earth. And Jesus, brought, like Jesus walked on this planet and for the first time it was like heaven was walking around and people could experience the presence of God in a person, okay? And now, like, when you, when you receive Jesus into your heart, um, Jesus, like, the, it, justification and double imputation where Jesus takes all of your sins and he imputes to you his perfection. So now when God looks at you, he doesn't see all of your mistakes, even though you might have made some this week. God now looks at you and he sees white as snow, perfect record, perfection, despite the fact that you know that you're still very much a work in progress. How? Because already, but not yet, right? And because Jesus pulled that off, Heaven no longer resides in buildings. Heaven now lives inside of his children. This, the, the same power that truly raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive and at work inside of each of us. And you bring heaven with you everywhere you go. You take heaven with you. Look at Luke chapter 17, verse 21. This is Jesus. He's talking to a bunch of Pharisees, and he says this. The kingdom is not discovered in one place or another, for God's kingdom realm is already expanding within some of you. And God has chosen to invade cities like Austin through people like us. That's why when you come to church now, you don't show up to the presence of God. You show up with the presence of God. And when you leave here later, you will bring the presence of God with you. That's why I, like, I've heard people tell me, like, we're in week number 10 of this church, and I've heard people tell me already after service, I found my church. I've been looking, and I found my church. And it wasn't because of a sermon. Like, they found their church, and they knew in the parking lot that they found it, right? Because they talked to Kevin or Chase or somebody else on the parking team or Lindsay on the greeting team as they walked in or Sarah back at the info hub or they got a cup of coffee from Cody in the cafe, which is so many C's in a row. But, like, they experienced something. Like, you walk in here, and you're like, the music's good, but it's not just, it's not just good music. There is something happening. What is happening? There's heaven inside of the people in this room, right? There's heaven inside of anybody who has received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So that's why people start to like, you walk in and you wonder like, what is so different about the people in this room? Like, what's so different? Like, why do people go to church? Because they show up and in the untangible ways they experience, sure, they hear about it, but they experience what God actually thinks about them. It wasn't just a high five or a smile or a hug from somebody. It was a high five or a smile or a hug from somebody who has a little bit of heaven inside of them. The kingdom of heaven is expanding, expanding. And um, it begs the question, like, why do people come to church? Like, why did you come today? I'm glad you're here. Church is way more fun when you show up. Uh, because you show up and you bring the heaven that's in you, with you, when you walk in here. But it, 
it's a good question to ask as we move forward. Why do people come to church? Um, some people, maybe like your grandma told you, if you don't go to church, you're going to hell. And so you're like, well, I might as well find one that I can have some fun in, right? Like, <laughs> some people come because the music is good. Some people come because they're, they're in like a brutally difficult season of life and they just need, like, give me some hope, right? Some people were invited. Some people come because it's community and it's friends, right? Like, like maybe you came because, why, why I came um, back in college, because there's cute girls, there's cute girls, I ended up marrying one of them, but like, if that's you, keep coming, right, because you'll show up for the girls, eventually, you will leave with the gospel, oh, that's good, that is good, keep coming back, that's my testimony, came for the girls, left with the gospel, kept going back, eventually, I left with the gospel, hand in hand with a girl who also had the gospel, how is this not... Oh, we're done with the relationship series, guys. We're done. We're moving on. But maybe for a second, think, why did you come? And what, maybe you wonder, why, do, why are we building this church? Why are we building a church? Why would people move across the country to be a part of Like, why, why do people give up in, like, their whole weekend to set pipe and drape up and plug TVs in and put up, like, and watch kids for an hour? Like, what, like... Why are we building this church? Just like, is it just for fun? Is it just to like entertain people? Like what, what is like the thing that makes us do this? And why do you come? Like it's a good question to ask. I think like, and here's our hope and our dream. I, I have to believe and pray that people will continue to come and invite and show back up to Red Rocks Church because here they experience what God actually thinks about them. Maybe for the first time, like imagine spending your entire life thinking, that he's upset with you or mad at you or that he loves you but he doesn't really like you and that you're kind of a pain to him and maybe one day when you get your stuff together then you can come and then you'll be less of a burden like imagine like of course you're gonna walk on eggshells around him of course you're gonna run from God and try to find fulfillment in anything else right and imagine and a lot of you have been there that moment that you realize and it's not because somebody convinced you intellectually that this is true right that moment you were divinely persuaded and you realized oh my gosh God you're real and this is what you think of me and I'm experiencing it through a church through the people at this church like the Bible says Jesus came to make an invisible God visible an intangible God suddenly became tangible in Jesus. The church is now here to make an invisible realm called heaven visible for the people of Austin to experience it through their interactions with each of us. Like wherever you go, like whether we're here and all gathered or, or after service is over and we scatter for the rest of our weeks and you go into whatever sphere God has you in throughout the week, you take heaven with you and whether you realize it or not, people can experience Experience what God thinks about them through your interaction with them. Amen? And Ben, you guys can come up. Um, this is, we'll, we'll conclude here. This is my conclusion. 60% of your audience reengages upon the use of the word conclusion, so this is my conclusion. <laughs> Once again, I shall conclude right here. Um, about a month ago, I was flying from Denver to Austin. And uh, it was nighttime. I was in the window seat in the exit row. Praise God. Like, when that happens, you know God is for you. And 
I had a cool experience, and this doesn't always happen to me on flights or wherever I go. Um, this was special because I'm very familiar with the geography of Austin. That sounds super braggy, I know. Um, because in our office, we have a, uh, an eight-foot-tall map of Austin. And we had it in Denver before we moved here. And we would pray over it and stare at it and memorize it and push, push pins into all the places. We were like, maybe our church could be there. Maybe we'll follow up with that lead right there. Maybe it could be there, right? And so I, I know, I don't need a map here. I know Austin. And so we're flying in and we're, we're coming in from the north. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's 35. There's Mopac, not the Mopac. Like you say that and people like come out from like behind trees, like it's just Mopac. This isn't Southern California, you hippie. Like, I'm like, wow, okay, Mopac. There's Mopac. There's, there's 35. There's, there's Austin's Park and Pizza. There it is. It's really right there. And I saw, like, I'm not kidding you, I saw, I found my house, okay? And uh, I really did. I really did. It, it, like, it's easy to find. It backs up to, like, this little water retention area. And the lights were on on the first floor. And I, I was like, I wonder if Sam and Will and Luna are watching The Office. And I later confirmed they were doing that. <laughs> um, but the lights were, and I was like, every light from every house and window and car kind of, like, represents, like, a person. And uh, we kept flying south. I'm like, there's the domain. There's Top Golf. Looks really cool from a plane. Top golf looks awesome. Um, and then I, I, I found this building, and I'm not kidding you. I, I, uh, I followed, like, we, were, we, we took this route right over here. We took, like, I saw 183 and North Lamar, and uh, I saw the McDonald's sign that's right out here. And then I found this building, okay? And then we kept going, and we flew over the university and the stadium, and, um, and then downtown, which, by the way, we have the coolest downtown of any city on the planet. Guys, it's beautiful. Like, the city and the river, I'm so proud, like, when visitors come to take them to my city. It's amazing. And, uh, and then South Congress and then the airports. And, um, and this doesn't always happen, but I was listening to the psalm that we are about to sing. And uh, I got glimpses of pockets of heaven. So if you look on that Venn diagram, it overlaps um, because of Jesus. It's already, but not yet. And heaven and Austin collide in, in whatever space it overlaps. But now Jesus is alive and at work inside of every single one of us. Wherever you go, you bring heaven with you. And so I imagine like in that Austin side, like little pockets of heaven just showing up wherever we are, wherever Christians are. And I saw, I saw my house and like in my like soul, like I could just see like, like a pocket of heaven around my house, like our house in our neighborhood, right? And like, man, our neighborhood is gonna start to experience heaven just because we are there, because God does not dwell in buildings, he dwells in people now. And just because we are there, maybe our neighborhood is gonna experience something about this thing called heaven, right? Like it's here and it's now. It's not just there and it, it, it's not just there
there and then, it's here and now. And I started thinking about all of our houses and all of the amazing churches in Austin full of people who have heaven in them who are all going to leave and go into their spheres of, of work, to their offices, to Top Golf, heck yeah, Top Golf, into your restaurant, right? And all like the, the lights of all the buildings in downtown Austin, like representing that, like wherever you go, you bring heaven with you. And I started like thinking about like the campus and Christians walking around, like going to football games in the stadium and walking between classes and, and downtown also, and then, and then, and then, and then South Congress all the way to the airport. Like we are, what, like, I don't mean to make this too, like more dramatic than it, than it is, it, it uh, but it's real. This is real, that we have an enemy, okay, and the world is already, but not yet. Heaven is already, but not yet. And so there is victory, and every time the enemy whispers those lies into your ear, you now have authority because of that to tell him to be gone in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why the very sound, the audible sound of the name Jesus sends sh a shudder down the spine of our enemy because victory has been won. But, but in the here and now, this world is still very much the enemies. This city, for a lot of reasons, is still very much the enemies. And so we are behind enemy lines. We're behind enemy lines. And I'm looking down from the plane, seeing all of these pockets of heaven behind enemy lines, pushing back darkness, taking ground for the kingdom of God, taking ground for heaven. And I saw this building. And in my spirit, man, in my soul, it was so bright. It was so bright with so much potential to expand the same way heaven is expanding inside of every single one of us. This building with so much potential to take ground for the kingdom and not just be a church that does church for a couple decades and then goes away, but to be a church that like changes the spiritual climate of this city. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. That's what I see, but like, okay, how do we do that? How, how do you do that? Is it through like church services? Is it through music? Is it through events? Like how do you do something like that? And the truth is, yeah, it's through all of those things. But as long as you understand that the energy, the, that, that, the light that powers those things is the kingdom energy, the kingdom of heaven that now burns from the inside out, inside of every single one of us, man, inside of every single one of us. And so when we gather together like we're doing right now, like in a realm that we can't see but is becoming visible, something actually shifts and happens. Whether you feel it or not, it, it's happening, right? When we sing together corporately about this amazing God and his amazing grace, glorifying him, making him famous, something happens in the realm that is becoming visible through the church. Heaven is coming forth, right? Like, like tomorrow on your commute to work, when you sing worship music in your car and pray over the highway and pray for people who are cutting you off, something happens and heaven comes forward like it really, really does. Does. Wherever, you, wherever you go, heaven goes with you. Wherever you go, heaven goes with you. Like when you're, when you're in your Bible or when you're praying, heaven comes forward. When you tip more than 20% at a restaurant and write redrocksaustin.com on the receipt, something happens and heaven comes forward, right? Like when you go to, go to work, even though it might feel ordinary and you show up on time and you work hard and you smile at people and encourage people and maybe, just maybe, have a chance to tell them about Jesus or invite them to church, something shifts 
place in a realm that is invisible but becoming visible because heaven is in you and heaven moves. Something moves like it actually does. And through that, through something supernatural, people experience what God thinks about them. They experience, oh my gosh, this is real. And I think I was wrong with what I thought you thought of me, God. It's like, man, if, if I have one prayer for this church, it's that it would be a place where it's like, hey, why do you go to Red Rocks, Austin? Oh, because every time I go, I experience what God thinks about me when I'm there through the people that are there. If you feel like it's been hard recently, like, man, I feel like life should be better, things should be easier, people should be nicer, like there's like, I feel like a resistance, like why is it so hard being a Christian, like why, why is my life not easier, well it's because already, but not yet, and you are currently behind enemy lines, taking ground for the kingdom every single day, pushing back darkness, that's why it's tough, following Jesus ain't for the faint of heart, pushing back darkness, taking ground for the kingdom, saying, God, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, in my city as it is in heaven, and not just praying it, but then saying, God, use me to live like I actually believe it because I want to be a part. Like, that's not easy, but the company is good, and the purpose is as well because it's the mission that Jesus came here and already won victory for, and he's coming back to finish it. Until then, it matters what we do. There is eternal significance from your ordinary Monday morning commute to work all the way to church on a Sunday and everything in between. There is eternal significance to it, amen?